Hi, I'm George Davis, and I too want to welcome you to this online service of the Hershey Free Church. By the way, I realize some of you are new or newer to our church. Some of you haven't actually been in our building yet in terms of actually physically attending a service or an event. And particularly for you, I wanted to introduce you to two teams that are really important in the leadership of our church, just to make you aware of kind of how we operate as a church community. First of all, let me highlight our deacon team, and our deacon team is involved in providing leadership and oversight to various serving ministries within our church. Specifically, our deacon team provides leadership to our compassion ministries. This includes things like our food bank, our clothing bank. It includes ways in which we provide financial assistance for immediate needs and kind of responding to the needs within our church community and the community beyond, And, and also for people as they're kind of in different life stage situations, providing things like financial counseling or helping with certain physical needs. So uh, we have a team that provides leadership for that. You may not be aware of that, but particularly for those maybe who are facing certain challenges where we could be of help, I I just want to make sure you are aware of our compassion ministries and, and understand that we'd really like to come alongside you as your church family. So that's our deacon team. The second team that I'm just going to mention is our elder team and this is this really is the team that provides uh, overarching leadership to our church in terms of direction and how we handle our resources and major objectives. This is the team to which I'm accountable as our senior pastor. So uh, I wanted to introduce both of these teams to you and among other things, make you aware of them, but also to say, as you pray for our church, please also remember to pray for these different individuals as they serve in these different roles. Now, this morning, as we continue our journey through the Ten Commandments, uh, I want to kind of introduce the next commandment by kind of asking you a question. Has this ever happened to you? And let me let me specifically talk to those of us that have at least one sibling and most likely one sibling that is close in age. So has this ever happened to you, maybe particularly as you were growing up, particularly if you were close in age? Did, did you ever have those situations, those encounters where you, you ended up in an argument, a disagreement with your sibling, and it went something like this? That's not yours, that's mine. Or how about this? This is mine and you broke it. My guess is if you've been a part of a family with kind of multiple members of the family, that at some point you've had conversations like that. Likewise, for those of us who were parents, at some point, you've kind of had to referee your kids in situations like that, where we're arguing about, well, this is mine. No, that's mine. You can't have it. You stole it. And you've had those conversations, most likely. Well, those real-life experiences really do bring us back to our journey through the Ten Commandments. Now we're in the second half of the Ten Commandments, and these, these commandments specifically deal with how we relate to one another. In essence, these are the commandments that talk about how to love our neighbors. And today we get to the Eighth Commandment. It's simple. It's direct. It's only a few words. (laughs) You shall not steal. Now, as we have gone through these commandments, I just want to reiterate this again. We have acknowledged that, you know, as followers of Christ, for those of us who know Christ, as Christians, we're not under the Ten Commandments. We're not under the Old Testament law. Yet, um, there's tremendous wisdom for us. 
I think particularly as followers of Christ, these commandments really do serve as, they they serve as guidelines and guardrails. They serve as guidelines and kind of helping us understand this path of what it means to follow Christ and to do that well. They serve as guidelines for that. Furthermore, there's wisdom here that really serves as guardrails for us, warnings about what can happen when we deviate from the path, the dangers that we can encounter if we choose not to embrace this wisdom. So, um, as we've seen uh, already through the other commandments, there really is wisdom for us here. And I think this, this continues to be true as we look at this, what appears to be very simple command, you shall not steal. So what I want to do this morning is, is just take a few moments and let's just unpack the wisdom of this, of this commandment together. And I want to do so, I want to unpack it just by asking two questions. And so the first question is this. So when you look at this commandment, when you think about the wisdom of this commandment, what is prohibited, right? (laughs) What is it warning against? What is it telling us not to do? And you say, well, George, that's pretty simple. It's telling us don't steal. And and, and I get that. I realize at one level this is a very simple command, but but what exactly does that mean? What, What all does that include? Well, I think at, at the most basic level, it, it, it really means what it says. Just don't take other people's stuff. And, and interestingly, you know, as you read the Old Testament, you get the Ten Commandments, but then you read further in Exodus and Deuteronomy, and you get more detailed legal codes that, codes that really flesh out the Ten Commandments. And as you read that more detailed legal material, I, I do think a basic theme that you will encounter that really fleshes out this commandment is just don't steal other people's stuff. I'll just kind of give you one example, right? Uh, this is from Exodus 22. If anyone gives a neighbor silver or goods for safekeeping and they are stolen from the neighbor's house, the thief, if caught, must pay back double. Obviously, notice here that, among other things, what you see is a respect for the possessions of others. There's a clear recognition of personal property in Scripture that we need to along, that, that we need to recognize. But, but, but also, there's just the expectation that we need to honor the possessions of others. We need to respect their possessions. And I think, furthermore, as you unpack this... Um, I think there's also the expectation that I need to respect the possessions of others when I borrow them, right? I mean, if I borrow a tool, a piece of equipment, I need to take care of it. I need to handle it well when it's in my possession. You know, if I borrow your car, if I borrow something like that, I I, I think I need to, when I return it, make sure the gas isn't on empty because I feel like otherwise that's that's stealing. So at the most basic level, uh, this commandment involves, you know, don't take, don't take what belongs to other people and take care of their stuff when it's in your possession. But furthermore, I think as you begin to unpack this command in the context of the Old Testament, um, I think that the prohibition against stealing is is also a prohibition against cheating. Uh, for instance, in Deuteronomy, we we read this: "Do not move your neighbor's boundary stone." Now, what is a boundary stone? Well, it's a property line, 
right? It's and in simple terms, it's it's a, it's a prohibition that says, look, don't cheat, right? Don't move the property line. If you cheat, if you do that, you're you're stealing. That that belongs to your neighbor. So you know, don't just inch that, don't just inch that property stone slowly more and more in that other direction. Don't cheat. Don't move the line. Don't defraud your neighbor of what is rightfully his. And then I think then closely related to this, this, uh, this idea of cheating is the idea of defaulting on your promises or commitments, treating others unfairly. These, these are all examples of, of stealing. And in different ways, uh, this theme really emerges in Scripture. Now, uh, as we think about this, as we think about, you know, cheating or defaulting on our promises, let's just think for a moment about what this can look like in our situation. I I think really, you know, at a basic level, if, you know, if as an employee, I I neglect my work, if I kind of end up spending my time on the job doing things like just being online, scrolling through apps on my phone, at some level, I'm, I'm defaulting on my commitments to my employer. And in a real sense, you know what? That's, that's cheating. Or let, me, well, let me just talk to those of us who are, who are students or have been students. Do you, do you, I don't know. Do, do you remember those experiences in school where you had to uh, deal with group projects? You know, you'd be assigned to a group, and this is the project given to the group. I know some of you, maybe high school students now, this, this can be a regular part of your experience. And I realize those can be really positive experiences, but I've got to be honest with you. In my years as a student, I did not like group projects. And here's the reason why. I don't know about your experience, but, it, but it, it almost inevitably seemed true in my experience that when I was you know, assigned to be a part of this group and we're going to do this project together, when I found myself in that situation, it always seemed there's going to be a, there was at least one person who wasn't going to take the responsibility seriously. One individual who really wasn't going to pull his weight. One person who really wasn't going to make a contribution to the group and the assignment that had been given to the group. And, there, and, and, and the, the reality was the, the rest of us would kind of just end up having to carry that person's load. Have you known that experience? Some of you know that experience is in your workplace right now. And you might not think of those experiences in these terms, but that's stealing. So if you are that person in a school environment or a work environment, understand you, you're stealing from others. So stealing, what's prohibited? Well, it, it's taking other people's stuff. It's cheating or defrauding on our commitments and obligations. And I, I think there's one other dimension to highlight, and that is this. And, and, and I think we see this throughout, for instance, the Old Testament and the Old Testament law. One of the ways we can steal from others is by abusing positions of power. One of the ways we can steal from others is by abusing uh, positions of power. Again, as you read Exodus and Deuteronomy, you, you at different places, you're reading more detailed legal statutes that in essence kind of flesh out the Ten Commandments in case law form. And uh, as you read that, one of the themes you will encounter is, is the recognition that those who are poor need to be treated fairly. Uh, I'll just give you one example. Do not deny justice to your poor people in lawsuits from Exodus chapter 23. 
So we see this in the law. If you read the wisdom of Proverbs, I think you will, you will see this theme again, the importance of, of treating those who are in poverty well, the responsibility of doing that, even the idea that this is part of what righteousness looks like. Likewise, when you continue in the Old Testament, for instance, you read the prophets, right? The, the prophets were often those individuals who showed up on the scene when Israel was failing to live out its role as God's covenant nation. And when you read the prophets, a, a recurrent criticism of Israel, of Judah, in the pages of the prophets, it's the fact that those who are in positions of power, those in positions of influence, have not dealt fairly with those who were poor. And in some sense, that's, that's stealing. Now, again, let's just kind of, <laughs> let's think about our situation. Let's move this to our situation. And for, more, for a moment, let me particularly talk to those of us who are in some position of leadership or influence or some position of responsibility over others because there are many of you who are kind of joining us online you're in your work. Uh, responsibilities, you have leadership over other people. You supervise others. And, and we need to understand when we use our power, our influence in those positions inappropriately, that's, that's stealing. When we use it to take advantage of others, that's stealing. For instance, if, if I'm in a position of leadership and responsibility and, and, and I take credit for the work that someone else has done, and I think many of us have seen that happen, I think that's stealing. On the other hand, if we're in one of those positions of leadership and we deflect blame on others that should fall on us, in a real sense, that's stealing as well, because that's stealing the reputation of someone else. So as we begin to unpack the wisdom of, of this simple commandment and say what's prohibited, we kind of see that it begins to hit on different realities of life experience. It is, at its most basic level, a prohibition against taking other people's stuff, what belongs to them. But it also can involve cheating uh, others, defaulting on our promises and defaulting on our obligations, abusing our positions of leadership and power. Now, at this point, uh, you know what? We could, we could just stop here, right? And I could challenge you uh, just with a challenge. Make sure you're not doing these things, right? I mean, make sure... You're not defaulting on your obligations. Make sure you're not defaulting on your commitments. Uh, make sure you're not abusing your influence or your power. For those of us in leadership, right? Don't abuse the positions you have because in some sense that's stealing from others. We could just stop here. And I think for some of us, even if we just stopped here, there'd be some, okay, here's something I need to work on, right? Because maybe there are ways when we begin to flesh out what it means to steal that I realize I've kind of fallen into patterns where in some sense I am stealing from others, we could stop here and just say, avoid these certain things. But I think if we stop here, uh, we haven't completely unpacked the wisdom of this command. Because to, to really unpack the wisdom of this command as it operates in the context of Scripture, I think we actually have to ask one more question. 
Um, we can't simply ask what is prohibited. We also need to ask the second question. <laughs> what is encouraged? I mean, if this, if this command is prohibiting from me from doing certain things, what is it actually then encouraging me to do? As we read this command within the context of the broader Old Testament law and within the broader context of, uh, of the biblical storyline, I realize what it's prohibiting, but what, what underneath it is implied and encouraged? What is, what is it really encouraging me to do? And I think, and this is where it really starts to hit home, I think, for me, I think when I understand the wisdom of this command within the storyline of Scripture, it it becomes clear that the wisdom of this command isn't simply about avoiding certain behaviors. It's also about acting for the benefit of others. Yes, what's prohibited is, you know, don't do this to people, but, but implied with that is instead act in their benefit. For instance, uh, let me just give you another example from the Old Testament law, right? As the Old Testament law unpacks these themes. Here's a, a fascinating passage from Deuteronomy 22. If you see your fellow Israelites' ox or sheep straying, <laughs> do not ignore it, but be sure to take it back to its owner. Now notice that. What, what is it expected here? It's not simply, you know what, if you, see, if you see the ox or sheep straying, don't steal it. And you're kind of like, hey, I avoided it. I didn't do anything wrong. I'm good. But no, there's more implied here. This isn't simply about avoiding bad behavior. It's about acting for the benefit of others. And and interestingly, the the idea ignore is is almost this idea of don't hide, right? Don't pretend you don't have a role to play in this. Don't pretend there's no responsibility for you in this. Don't simply avoid certain behavior. Act for the benefit of of others. Again, uh, as you read the Old Testament law, this becomes apparent. The Eighth Commandment isn't simply about avoiding, it's also about acting for the benefit of others. And I think furthermore, it becomes clear <laughs> that if, if I'm going to act in the benefit of others, if, if I'm going to honor and respect, for instance, the possession of others, Honoring and respecting your stuff is actually going to affect how I deal with my stuff. So let me give you one other example. Fascinating example, again, from this Old Testament case law in Deuteronomy. Now listen to this carefully. If you enter your neighbor's vineyard, you may eat all the grapes you want, but do not put any in your basket. If you enter your neighbor's grain field, you may pick kernels with your hands, but you must not put a sickle to their standing grain. Now, what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, what exactly is taking place? Well, again, let me, let, me, let me underscore that throughout Scripture and throughout the Old Testament law, there really is recognition about the rights of private property. That is clear. But along with those rights to private property, there, there is a responsibility to those in need. Now, as you read this, there's just some amazing, notice the amazing wisdom here. 
because it, it becomes clear on the one hand that, you know, if you're a farmer, if you've got a grape vineyard, if you've got a grain field, it's not like someone can just back up a pickup truck and start cleaning you out, loading basket after basket of grapes. That is specifically prohibited. But they can take what they need at that moment. They were able to take something if they were in need in that moment and hungry. So that's, that's, do you see the kind of the wisdom here? There's a recognition of personal property, and that's not to be abused. But still, if, if there is someone in need, we have a responsibility to them. So again, the, the prohibition of the Eighth Commandment tells us not to steal, but the deeper wisdom says we also need to be acting in the benefit of others. Now, interestingly, when it comes to this issue of poverty, I think the, the Old Testament has a very nuanced understanding, and, and I could flesh this out if we took more time. On the one hand, in the Old Testament, there's a recognition that poverty can result from laziness and irresponsibility. But there's also the recognition that it can result from calamity or unexpected crisis. Furthermore, there's the recognition that it can result from oppression, from unfair treatment by those in power. And, and so with this nuanced understanding comes the recognition um, that loving my neighbor, respecting their possessions, right, honoring the Eighth Commandment also affects how I deal with my own stuff, my own possessions. It's not just about avoiding certain things. It's also acting for the benefit of others. This is why there are certain stipulations in the Old Testament law like these gleaning regulations to make sure to encourage people not simply to avoid certain negative things but also to act in in the benefit of others. With that in mind, just think for a moment about the, the story of Ruth and Boaz. Right? Remember that beautiful story in the Old Testament, that love story? How did, they, how did they meet? What brought them together? Well, what brought them together was this, right? She was in need, and she went gleaning in his grain field. Now, what does this say about Boaz? Well, on the one hand, everything we know about Boaz implies that he was a what we would call a stand-up guy, right? He was a guy that honored his obligations, his commitments. This was the kind of guy that, you know, you reach an agreement with him, a business deal with him, you shake hands, and you know he's going to follow through. He's not going to steal from you. He's not going to default on you. But in his life, he did more than simply avoid stealing and avoid negative behaviors, he also acted in the benefit and for the benefit of other people in allowing his fields to be open to this kind of gleaning. And it's, it's because he does this um, that he and Ruth end up together. And I mean, that's a critical point in the, the plot of that story. 
And, and obviously that becomes a turning point in what eventually leads to the arrival of, of King David, a very important, a very important person in the biblical storyline. So in so many ways, Boaz shows us really the depth of this wisdom of the Eighth Commandment because he wasn't simply avoiding certain things. He wasn't simply that he was honest in his business dealings. He didn't cheat other people, but he was also acting for the benefit of others and how he dealt with his own resources. So the wisdom of this commandment involves more than simply avoiding. It involves acting for the benefit of others. Now let's just kind of really briefly fast forward uh, to our own situation. And think about this. So what, is, what does this wisdom look like for us? What does this wisdom look like for, uh, for us as followers of Christ? What does it look like for us in, in terms of how we handle our resources and how we handle our money? Now, throughout this series, I've encouraged you, right, uh, as we made these cards available, to rewrite each week the commandment in, in your own words. And as I was thinking about this commandment and just in my own life, he, here's kind of, kind of how I'm coming to rewrite it. Here's how I'm thinking about it. And basically, I would say this. In loving my neighbor, not only do I want to avoid stealing, I also want to be an agent of grace. That, that really gets, I think, to the wisdom and the challenge of this commandment. Not only do I want to avoid stealing, I also want to be an agent of grace. Now, what does that, what does that mean for me? Uh, well, among other things, right? I... I want to avoid stealing. I want to honor my commitments. I want to honor my promises. Financially, I, w- I want to pay my bills on time. You know, as a senior pastor, I'm also an employee of this church. I'm accountable to our elder board, as I've already mentioned. And I, I want to handle those relationships in such a way that I do not abuse them. Among other things, I don't want to misuse the church's resources. <laughs> this, is, this is one of the reasons why I, I don't have signature authority on any of the church accounts. I want to avoid uh, the stealing or even the possibility of stealing. So for me, I, I want to kind of avoid stealing when it comes to relating to others and living out my commitments. But this commandment, I think, ultimately moves me beyond that. Not simply to avoid stealing, but also to be an agent of grace. And to be an agent of grace with the resources, the different kinds of resources that God has put in my life. But you know, for us to embrace this, I've got to be honest, we have to have a certain mindset. We have to have um, a certain approach in handling our resources. And and along those lines, I just want to quickly, I, I, I want to quickly highlight three themes that I think are part of embracing the wisdom of this command. Three themes that are part of managing our resources well so that, that we become agents of grace. And those, those three themes are these. Responsibility, gratitude, and generosity. First, I think there's the theme of responsibility throughout Scripture uh, in understanding how we've been created as humans, it's, it's really clear that, you know what, God has created us for work. 
And, and in different ways, the Bible argues there's a responsibility that comes with this. For instance, this is Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, right? There's a reference to the Eighth Commandment that we've been looking at, but must work doing something useful with their own hands that they may have something to share with those in need. And so, first of all, just notice there's that, there's that, that emphasis, right? Don't steal. There's that emphasis on don't steal. And I think in saying that, we don't know the specifics of what was going on, uh, what was happening. Quite possibly, some were stealing by simply relying on others in in unhealthy and inappropriate ways. But also notice this, um, this passage kind of assumes, I think, the value, the dignity of work right? Doing something useful with their hands. And again, this passage moves us not only from the idea of stop, stopping the steal, so to speak, from, stop the, from stealing, but it then moves us to the idea of, of being agents of grace so that you may have something to share with those in need. So as Paul deals with the Eighth Commandment, it's not just about avoiding, it's also about being an agent of grace, so there's a responsibility that we have here, a responsibility to engage our work and embrace the fact that God has created us for work. But then that, that should also uh, lead to a mindset of gratitude. Notice this passage from 1 Timothy chapter 6. Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Now, what is Paul saying here? Note note the first part of this passage. He says, "Don't, don't put your hope in stuff. Put your hope in the one who richly provides. And underscoring Paul, what Paul is saying here is, look, and he's talking to people who seem to have more resources, right? They've worked hard, hopefully. They've, they've got these resources in their life. He's saying, look, in the midst of what you've done, in the midst of your responsibility, don't lose sight of the fact that you are recipients of God's grace, that Christ has died for you, that he's brought you into a new relationship. You're recipients of forgiveness and new life. And that reality should help you see that even though you've been responsible and you've accumulated this wealth, that reality should help you see that ultimately your life needs to be lived as as one who is grateful to God. And, And that gratitude toward God should then overflow into generosity towards others, right? Notice how this passage commands, right? The gratitude toward God overflows into generosity. Command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, and to be generous and willing to share. And this way they will lay up treasures for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. So that gratitude should overflow into generosity towards others, right? And I, and I think in a real sense in this passage, you see those, those three themes. They, there's been a responsibility. They've gained resources. But as they've gained resources, they, they need to respond to God in gratitude and understand that they are recipients of God's grace. And as recipients of his grace, that, that gratitude should now flow into generosity so that they become agents of that grace. So I have, to, I have to come to grips with this truth. Embrace the reality that this command, it's not just about avoiding. It's about acting for the benefit of others. 
It's not just about avoiding. It's about being an agent of grace. And you know what? This, this, this can be challenging. Because it means, among other things, recognizing that the resources in my life, they're not just for me. I'm actually a steward of these resources. Even, even, as, I'm to be an, uh, even as I'm a recipient of God's grace, I'm to be an agent of his grace. Using these resources for the benefits of others, using these resources is, is part of God's ongoing work. And, you know, that, that's a shift in mindset. But notice what Paul argues. He says when we engage this process, right, when we engage the wisdom, I think, of the Eighth Commandment, where it's not just about avoiding, but also about acting on the benefit of others, where it's not simply avoiding stealing, but being an agent of grace, when we embrace that, it allows us to take hold of the life that is truly life. Some of you have heard me mention this before, but, you know, a few years ago, actually seven years ago, we remodeled our house. And when we remodeled the lower part of our house, uh, we had a a kitchen table built. Uh, It's this kind of really heavy, what you might call Amish farmhouse table, and it was built uh, so it could be expanded and, you know, accommodate a good number of people. It actually goes out to 10 feet. It will seat 12 people comfortably. And I've got to tell you, when we remodeled and, you know, we, I just loved we, that when this table was delivered and they had some, they had some mistakes they had to work through and we kind of got it done. And I just loved the, the beauty of this heavy wood table and, and the finish and all of that. But then came that moment when I noticed after a little time that the first <laughs> dent and the first scratch that had gotten into the table. And that bothered me, to be honest with you. That bothered because I really just like that table in pristine condition. And now over time, as we've used it, and, you know, we pull it out and collapse it and have different people, so I pull out different leaves. The more we've used it, the more the table's gotten beaten up a little bit and some of the leaves, you know, they're scratches. And, and you know, that I had to kind of get used to that. And I really remember, I remember having to come to gra- grips to, really with this truth, okay, do I... Do I, I hold on to this possession tightly and get frustrated with the fact that it's gotten beaten up as it's been used? Or, or do I realize that, do I realize that, you know, God has put resources in, in my life and, and they're intended to be used for the benefit of others? And yeah, you know what, this, this table's gotten beaten up, but you know what, over the last seven years... I don't know, hundreds of people have sat around that table. Even this week, two different groups sat around that table. And, and through those interactions, there have just been some great meals shared together, some meaningful conversations, relationships built, new connections made. And I think that's kind of what Paul is getting at when he says, look, when you embrace this, the wisdom of this command, when you realize it's not just about avoiding, but also about being an agent of grace, when you embrace a mindset where through your responsibility you're, you're able to respond to God with gratitude that overflows into generosity, when you embrace this way of life, it really is different. It brings you into this bigger story of what God is doing. So that's the invitation. That's the challenge of this commandment. Don't don't simply avoid stealing. 
Be an agent of grace. Don't simply avoid stealing. Be an agent of grace. Now, as we go to prayer, I just want to kind of just challenge you for a moment. Maybe there really are things where, you know, where you've got to be honest. There, there are diff- different ways that, that maybe I haven't been keeping certain obligations or cutting corners or defrauding people through my work or other relationships. And maybe, maybe part of the challenge of this verse to you is, hey, you know, this is something I need to stop. And I, I, I'm going to pray that you're going to wrestle with that. But I also challenge you to, to see the deeper wisdom that this isn't simply about avoiding. It's also, it's also about acting as an agent of grace and, and using the resources that God has placed in your life as part of the bigger mission of what he's doing. So I pray that you would be open to that as well. So with that in mind, let me lead us in prayer. Gracious God, we, uh, we come to this very simple statement, but as we begin to unpack it, we see deeper and deeper layers. And first of all, I pray that, uh, I pray for some of us that we'd be really challenged with the prohibition of this, because some of us need to hear this. Some of us, there, maybe there are ways that we have been defrauding others. We have not been uh, fair in how we handled certain obligations are responsible in how we did that and i pray that you know that we would see that for what it is that it's in some sense it's stealing and we need to stop that but father i also pray that 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 we would see that this this commandment has a deeper layer of wisdom not only what it prohibits but also what it encourages and it encourages us to be agents of grace. It encourages us to see that the resources in our lives aren't just for us, they're for others as well. It encourages us to think about opportunities you give us to kind of be there for other people and and opportunities that you give us to be engaged in your mission, to be engaged in the life of this church financially and otherwise. And, And so I pray that we would see this isn't simply about avoiding, it's also about acting as an agent of grace. And so would you help us develop the mindset uh, that that enables us to really handle our resources with that in mind? And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we start a new week, I challenge you with the wisdom of this parable, or excuse me, the wisdom of this commandment. Don't just avoid stealing. Be an agent of grace.